Pete Tendler is licensed by the California Department of Real Estate, number 01230641, and the Nationwide Multi-State Licensing System, number 866468. Welcome to the Financial Locksmith Show. Now here's your host, certified reverse mortgage professional, Pete Tentler. Thank you for joining and tuning into the Financial Locksmith Show. I am your host, Pete Tentler. I'm a certified reverse mortgage professional, founder and CEO of Independence Reverse Mortgage Solutions. I've been serving San Diego now for over 25 years. I started the Financial Locksmith Show to talk about reverse mortgages and, and most importantly, addressing the myth versus the realities, explaining how it works, the features that are known and features that are unknown. What are the benefits and who can benefit from them? And of course, I address the downsides to a reverse mortgage, because like everything in life, there are downsides in our choices. I'm available for any questions that you may have that are related to reverse mortgages. And you can call me at 858-999-1776. Or if you prefer a brief email, my email address is pete at reversemortgage1776.com. I received several calls from listeners last week asking about how the reverse mortgage works, what are the pros and cons, who owns a house when a reverse mortgage is in place. And these are all important questions that my audience asks. But there are questions that I always ask to see if a reverse mortgage is in their best interest. In particular, one listener called me and said he was planning on using the reverse mortgage funds to fix up his house and sell it within a year and right size to a home that is less expensive and easier to manage. But in this case, I said, you know, you're probably better off getting a home equity line of credit, a HELOC, instead of a reverse mortgage because the closing costs are considerably less on a HELOC compared to a reverse mortgage. So he thanked me and said he was planning on buying a new home with all cash and then taking a reverse mortgage out and getting monthly payments. But instead, I suggested, you know, why don't you use a reverse mortgage to finance the purchase of the home? And in this case, uh, he was going to have to put about like 40, 45 percent down and the rest was going to be financed with a reverse mortgage. So that way he would have a large sum of cash in the bank and no mortgage payment on his new home. The point in, in me explaining these things are these came about because I asked questions. You know, they can use the money for whatever they want. If they wanted to borrow it temporarily and pay it off by selling the home, they can do that, but it's really not in their best interest. And that's why a lot of times I have questions from the borrower, the homeowner. Maybe it's their attorney or their financial planner. And, and in turn, after I answer those questions, I'll ask questions again, to make sure that we are on the same page and to see if this is the right choice for the borrower. So like a great legal or financial advisor, I ask certain questions about the homeowner's goals, what they're concerned about, what's keeping them up at night, uh, especially in the retirement years. And then I can tailor design the reverse mortgage that meets their goals and eases their concerns. So there's no telling, there's no selling, on my part, I'm more about listening to what you want to achieve. So again, you can reach me anytime with any questions at 858-999-1776. One question I do always ask the borrower, regardless of their situation, if they're going to move forward or not, is do they have an estate plan in place? 
And if they do, when was the last time they updated that plan? So that's a good segue for my uh, guest today. She's a good friend of mine. She's an estate planning attorney. Her name is Danielle Barger and co-founder of Barger and Batiste. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having me back here. <laughs> Glad you're back here, Danielle. And uh, before we do a deeper dive, because you were here before, uh, you were my one of my first guests. I think you were the first guest. Um, we're going to go into a deeper dive today about estate planning and all the nuts and bolts about that. But how do people, what's the best way that people can, can get in contact with you? Thanks, Pete. I would say the best way to reach me is by calling my office. You can do that by calling 858-886-7000. You can also go online to my website and you can contact me through there. It's www.db, for Danielle Barger, squaredlaw.com. Great. Great. So last time we talked about uh, the overall, the umbrella of the estate plan, why it's important. And recently I've been listening to the news about changes to estate tax exemption and this, this what's going on with Prop 13 um, what's, and that, that, that parent-child exemption and the, how, how they kind of snuck that in there. They really did. And I get a lot of questions about Prop 13 and, and how that affects estate planning. And I'd love to take a second and explain that. Okay. Most people know Prop 13 when they live in California and they own property. Prop 13 stands for the idea that once you own a piece of property, as long as you continue to own it, the property taxes will not increase more than 2% annually. So even if your house significantly jumps in value, you can be assured that your property taxes won't. So that's great. Well, Prop 58 came about in the late 70s. And basically what that did is it said that somebody who owns a home could pass that home to their child mm -hmm. and their child could enjoy that Prop 13 benefit. So a lot of people here in California know that they can pass their home to their child and their child can get that low property tax. They can inherit that property tax too. So so just so the audience knows, and I'm, my parents had a home in, in the suburb of Chicago. They bought it in 1962 for $50,000. We sold it in 2016 uh, and the property taxes were $23,000 a year. Yeah. So that's that's one of the hidden gems in, in California is Prop 13. And the other one is the Prop 58, that the, the parent-child exemption. So uh, I'll give you a quick example about that of a client in in La Jolla up on the Muralands. And his name is Jay. And Jay inherited it, the, the home from his mother. And when you when you drive up to the house, up to the driveway, it's, it's just a small house. It's not nothing big. It's maybe 1,500 square feet. But then you walk in, and there's this giant window with an unobstructed view of the ocean. And his home is worth $1.8 As of 2020, that's when we did refinanced his reverse mortgage back in 2020. It came like $1.8 His property taxes, $1,200 a year. And see, if I bought that house today and bought it for $1.8 I'd probably pay about $20,000 a year right. in property taxes. Probably, probably. So I'm thinking, well, geez, I'd love to be his child because when he dies, I could get it. And that's what Prop 58 was all about. There was also some rules about grandparent to grandchild, but we won't talk about that today. 
Well, what happened in 2020, Prop 19 came around, and this kind of snuck in to the ballot. The Prop 19, that that was the the, the firemen, was it? Or the wild, wild fires. Wildfires. Wildfires. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and so what it was designed was to raise revenue, which was going to support wildfire relief and everything. And there was a really great piece to Prop 19. It was going to allow our seniors to move to a different home and keep their low property tax base. However, one of the downsides of it was severely pretty much eliminating Prop 58. So now the only way that a parent can pass that exemption to their child is if the parent lives in the home as their primary residence and then the kid moves into that primary residence within one year of them passing away. And so clients would call and say, well, my kid will move in for six months and then they'll move. That doesn't work either. They only get that lower base um, as long as they live there as their primary residence. So it took away the ability to pass down rental properties and things like that. And that's an important thing to have people be aware of because many people don't know about it because it was kind of snuck in there under right, the radar. Right. Um, so I like to educate people so that they know what the rules are going to be when they pass their home on to their children. Okay. So do you want to take that now? So now when I'm contemplating leaving a primary residence down to the children, we really need to talk about how that's going to affect the property taxes it's also interesting because let's say we have a person, your friend Jay up in Muirlands, let's say he has three children. Right. Well, then what happens, right? Because does one kid move in? And so there are a lot of nuances that we have to be aware of to make sure we're properly planning. And this is really when you need to find a competent estate planning attorney to talk through these things about. Right. Um, Agreed. Because we can explain how this works how you can leave the property in the best way, how you can equalize among your children, um, and how you can really do the planning for the best result possible. Right. And, and and so many times I've seen people try to take that on themselves with, you know, on a, a, a law website and try to do all this, but that they don't fully understand the, the proposition or the tax exemptions or the difference of, of the taxes. They may be doing a, themselves a big disservice. They really are. And, you know, I tell people a lot that I, Danielle, could write a pretty good trust on LegalZoom. And that's because it'll ask me questions and you pick A, B, or C. And I understand the ramifications between A, B, and C. Right. You do. Many people don't. Right. And so I'll see plans that are really glaring with problems because they didn't understand what it's going to be. I've seen disinherited children. I've seen... Um, math done wrong. I've seen all kinds of things. And I, I really can confidently say after 15 years that I've never seen a legal Zoom trust that was really done the right way. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, it costs more to fix it than had they done it right with a competent attorney from the beginning. So you're probably raising a lot of uh, eyebrows here in the audience now. So once again, how do they get in touch with you? Um, they could go online to my website, which is www.dbsquaredlaw.com. Or call me at 858-886-7000. Great. And you're going to stick around after the break, right? I we, will, We, we have sure. a lot more to talk about. You are listening to The Financial Locksmith Show. I am your host, Pete Tentler, certified reverse mortgage professional, 858-999-1776. For any of your questions, anytime. Or send me an email, pete at reversemortgage1776.com. 
I'm Pete Templer, certified reverse mortgage professional and your host of the Financial Locksmith Show. Join me Saturday afternoon at 6.30 while I discuss and answer your questions regarding reverse mortgage options. I'm available to answer any questions anytime. Call me at 858-999-1776. That's 858-999-1776. Tune in Saturday afternoon at 6.30 for the Financial Locksmith Show with me, Pete Templer, certified reverse mortgage professional. 858-999-1776. And welcome back to the Financial Locksmith Show. I'm your host, Pete Tentler, certified reverse mortgage professional. Uh, my guest today is a returning guest, Danielle Barger, estate planning attorney, part of co-founder of Barger and Batiste. And we covered some very, inf- very good information uh, about Prop 13 and the Prop 58, which is the parent parent-child exemption. Um, let's talk a little bit, you know, we're going to get into more. We're going to talk about the estate tax exemption that's going to happen. But first, what I want to find out is, I've not, I've, Danielle, we've known each other for a long time. We have. Um, what made it motivated you to become an attorney and why did you choose estate planning as your main focus? Well, it kind of chose me. I mean, I was going to law school and I would go and kind of share with my family what was going on. And one day I remember telling my father that we really needed to do a trust. Like I was learning about this in school. And if you don't have a trust and you don't have an estate plan, it goes through probate and probate's very expensive. Right. Um, And so he had been ill and he was going to get out of the hospital and I was going to take him to get a trust. That was our big plan. Um, He unfortunately passed away before we were able to do that. And Mm, I got kind of thrown into that mess. And luckily, you know, I grew up here in San Diego, right in Claremont. My dad lived in Claremont, everybody. And a lot of family and friends kind of helped me through a lot of these different things I needed to handle. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was going to work in that field and help other families so they didn't have to go through what I went through. So you knew, you went through this firsthand. Um, My parents, my mother passed away in 2015 and fortunately, I've got many siblings, and, and three of the sisters are nurses, and they so they were able to handle all that. But and and my mother f- lived a full life, so that was great. Uh, but you just the the the, the grieving and uh, unwinding everything, getting the house cleaned up, and and not having and we had an estate plan. But can you imagine? Can you imagine all that going on and having to clean up the house, get it ready to sell, and you still have you, it's going to go into probate. Exactly. And probate can end up costing three or 4% of the fair market value of the estate. Okay. The fair market value of the estate, not the net equity. Exactly. And that's why when you're doing anything that involves a house, including a reverse mortgage, we want to make sure it's in a trust because a trust can be administered much quicker than going in front of a judge. And you want to make sure that trust is up to date. That is a big issue. Um, A lot of people will get a trust, check the box, put it on their shelf and never talk to their attorney again. Well, the problem is that the rules change. You know how I just mentioned Prop 13 and Prop Mm -hmm, 19? Well, just like that, the um, rules surrounding how we plan with trusts changed a lot. And so a lot of people have these old trusts that were designed in the 90s or the early 2000s, and they were designed to minimize estate taxes. 
So you might think, gosh, you know, I, I bring home a paycheck and I pay income taxes. I buy property and I pay property taxes. I invest and I sell and I pay capital gains. Well, guess what? If you die, you pay estate taxes as well. Right. So a lot of these plans were put in place to minimize the estate taxes. However, the laws around that exemption has changed a lot. So I find that many clients will have old trusts that have things in there that wouldn't be appropriate today. And such so, as? well, it's such as a married couple that if one of them dies, the trust gets divided into multiple pieces with the idea that that, which is an AB trust, would save on estate taxes. And that was the gold standard in the 90s. But as the exemption increased, what that meant was more people were allowed to pass money, pass wealth without taxes. Mm -hmm. And so the formulas set up in those old trusts don't really work anymore. So imagine you just lost your spouse and you're dealing with all that. And then the attorney who you call finally says, oh, we have to do all these other things too. And had you and your spouse made some updates or seen an attorney, they could see that some changes would have saved a lot of time and money going forward. Right. Now, isn't there, a, a, I keep hearing people talking about estate tax exemption is going to change in the next 2026. 2026. Okay. So we've got a few years. Um, so right now, January 1st, 2026, the exemption, which is currently $12,060,000 per person, okay. is going to drop. And it's going to drop to about half that. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot for many people. Many people will not have to pay estate taxes. Um, but it's something to be aware of so that your plan contemplates that. So you're not putting a plan in place to minimize a tax bill you're never going to have. Meanwhile, some people that have more than $6 million, we should have a conversation because there's opportunities to do some planning now that will greatly benefit you when the law does change in a few years. And how, how are they getting in touch with you? Um, they should be, probably call me at 858-886-7000. Okay. So these are for people that are probably going to be passing on more than $6 million dollars. That's going to be that's going to be a uh, change. You need to get that estate plan updated to meet that exactly twenty twenty six. But also anybody that doesn't have an attorney that they've spoken with in the last five years should call their attorney or call me. Call somebody. I don't care who it is, <laughs> um, but call somebody because even if you're only worth a million dollars. Um, there's still things that we should look at to make sure that that plan is for you. And it doesn't have to be very expensive. I love to sit down with somebody and tell them their plan is perfect. You don't have to pay me to do anything. I love to sit down and talk to somebody who has some concerns and resolve those concerns. They may spend a little money. They may not. Um, I'm not being driven by that. Right. And, and, and we talked about this earlier is that you, when you say talk to someone, mean a person. Don't, yeah. don't go to, don't try not try to try to avoid a website, try, you know, try to avoid do it yourself because I'm an expert on reverse mortgages. I'm not an expert on an estate planning. Exactly. That's where people, I, you know, I come to you for estate planning advice. Um, and that because you say, no, the law is changing or the exemptions changing, or this is going to be, be a new uh, issue. Maybe not today, but it'll come up in three or four years. Exactly. And we need to prepare for it now. 
Exactly. And and and, and that other th- those legal websites may not tell you those things. Exactly, because there's a lot of nuances. It's not the same answer for everybody. And so you really need to talk to a human. And, and people ask me, well, how much does a trust cost? I was going to bring that up because I remember when you when I first met you, you were talking about that you grew up in, grew up in Claremont. I did. You had uh, you know friends and neighbors out there. Still that, in Claremont. That, that may not have been able to afford a living trust or an estate plan. And if you think about it, you might spend a few thousand dollars on a living trust. If you don't do that, the probate fees on a typical Claremont house probably be about $30,000. So it's a fraction of the cost to do it and do it quickly and do it right. Right. And so that's that's important that the audience knows that. Uh, the cost of probate, not to mention the time in probate, which is... My before the, before the lockdown, before the COVID lockdown, it was my record months. is yeah. I would say about eighteen months. My record is eleven months. I did have one that took nine and a half years, and all during that time, the kids are footing the bill for the house. They don't really have a lot of um, ability to do things without those court documents. So it's right. a process that everyone should be able to avoid with proper planning. And it, you're saying that it really does not necessarily have to be that expensive to draw up an estate plan? It really doesn't. And sometimes it's a typical living trust. Sometimes it's updating what they already have. Sometimes it's something else. I mean, it's a way to talk to a legal professional about what you're planning to do with your stuff when you pass and how your kids and your beneficiaries are integrated into it. Right, right. And again, that's why when when I talk to borrowers that are interested in a reverse mortgage, I said, you know, reverse mortgage is a great product. It's not for everybody. But really, let's, you know, talk to your attorney about your estate plan. If you don't have an attorney any longer or you've lost touch with them or they've moved on, I will introduce them to you. Um, but it's very important to do that because we, we, we read about it or hear about these celebrities that are dying, uh, that have died, excuse me, um, and their estates are worth hundreds of millions and they don't have an estate plan. I think... Um in Los Angeles County, somebody regarding the estate of Anne Hache was trying to submit an email as evidence as to what the will should be. And really, there's just no excuse <laughs> why anybody that owns a home should not have something um, in place. And I get a lot of questions that don't really necessarily relate to the trust that I love to answer. For example, um, you know, California, San Diego, Real estate is expensive. And so not every young person can just go buy a house. And so sometimes I'll get a call from a parent and say, you know, I want to give $100,000 to my daughter to put a down payment on a house. And I can help them navigate some of those questions on how to best plan for it. Are there gift taxes? Do you have to file a return? How is that going to impact when you leave the estate among your other children? And so all of those kind of fall under why you need an estate attorney to be able to call and get that help that you need. Right. And, and you're low, you're here, you were born and raised in San Diego and, and, you know, San Diego better than, than most people, but you also know the laws and the tax laws and the implications of, of proper estate planning. That's very important. Exactly. Good. So you're bringing that up subject up. Are there any ramifications of just giving, if I can just give my kid $100,000 or is there something that I need to do? Do? Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent question. Um, a question that there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding about. So let me kind of answer that. Okay. So anybody 
can give anybody else $16,000 per year without telling the IRS or having any negative consequences. So if I was feeling particularly generous, I could give you $16,000 this year, Pete. But hey, you're married. I could give actually $32,000 because I can give your wife some as well. Do I have to tell her? Uh, yeah, you should probably <laughs> tell her because if you don't, that's a whole nother set of law that I'm not going to get into okay. today. <laughs> um, so that works well when mom and dad want to give their daughter some money. But let's say mom and dad don't want to give daughter $32,000. They want to give her fifty. Well, what happens? Um, there's a lot of talk about, oh, that's going to be a gift tax. Here's the rule. If you give anybody more than that exemption, you have to file a gift tax. A gift tax return is filed just like your regular old income tax return that basically says, hey, IRS, I gave this person some money. And what do they do with that information? Well, every person has a lifetime and death exemption of $12,060,000. Okay. So if I tell the IRS, I just gave my kid 20000 they go back and somewhere on a computer, they keep track of that. So now 20000 of my exemption has been used. I don't have $12 million. I'm never going to have a tax problem. So it's not a big deal, but it's something that needs to be done. And so sometimes we'll talk through people and maybe we'll give some money in December. Then we'll give some money in January. And then we're able to kind of spread it out and do some planning for it. Sometimes the kid says, well, hey, mom, just buy the house with me. Okay. So let's say that mom and daughter buy a house together. Um, that's generally something that I don't really advise on um, because if either of those people who co-own the home get sued or something like that, then- They get dragged into it. They get dragged into it. And another thing that you might see is- um, hey, you know, mom needs some money. They mm -hmm. don't want to do a reverse right. mortgage because maybe they have a false impression of how wonderful a reverse mortgage is. Right. And so they don't want to do it. And so they think, here's what I'll do. I'll go to my one kid. He's successful. He'll give me some money and I'll just put his name on title. And that way, when I die, he gets the house. I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. And we had, to, we had to unravel that. And we do often have to unravel it. And we can only unravel it when everybody is alive and happy and talking. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> Sometimes that son is attached to a daughter-in-law who doesn't want to give it back. Right. We run into a lot of different issues. So right. be wary of that and talk yeah, to your lawyer. I, I can imagine that. Well, Danielle, this has been great. As a returning guest, we've, I've learned a lot, as I always do. And uh, I hope the listeners have learned as well. Um, and once again, if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about what we talked, what you talked about today, how are they getting in touch with you? Go online to www.dbsquaredlaw.com or 858-886-7000. Thanks for having me, Pete. Hey, my pleasure. Now, if anyone is, is still unsure about the reverse mortgage, if if it's the best option for your situation, um, I notice everybody's situation is unique, and perhaps the reverse mortgage is not your best option. I promise you that at the end of our conversation, you're seeking that perhaps you will become more knowledgeable about a reverse mortgage. So give me a call to get made a much better, clearer decision. My phone number is 858 999 1776. Thank you for tuning in and hope to drop in again next week. Thank you for listening to the Financial Locksmith Show right here on The Answer San Diego.
Pete Tendler is licensed by the California Department of Real Estate number 01230641 and the Nationwide Multi-State Licensing System number 866468.